We're joined today by Greg Giorgio, uh, who is a, a longtime uh, labor activist in the Capital District uh, with the uh, uh, the Wobblies International Workers of the World. And he's also part of the uh, support group for, um, I believe it's called Railroad Workers United, but he'll correct that. Uh, on, on Tuesday, they held a, a, a rally uh, to support the railroad workers uh, over in uh, Amtrak and Schenectady. So, so, so Greg, what uh, motivated you to pull this uh, rally uh, together? Well, I, uh, Mark, as a long time, and by the way, it's industrial workers of the world. <laughs> but uh, as a long time uh, supporter of Railroad Workers United and as a, one of their uh, non-rail union members, uh, what they call a solidarity member, I've I've been involved with them for over 14 years. Um, and I do a news feed for them weekly on the web. Um, and, you know, staying on top of the railroad and transportation news has been a very interesting uh, evolution over the last six months or so as the rail union contract negotiations were coming uh, to a, a point of some kind of resolution and or failure, really. And so in the midst of what happened with the uh, federal imposition by the president, <clears throat> excuse me, and the Congress uh, of what was really an unfair uh, labor agreement that pretty much totally ignored the demands of the rail workers and their unions, I felt uh, when the call went out by some of the unions and Railroad Workers United for solidarity actions, for Tuesday, December 13th, that I would be there and I would help uh, rally other people in the cause as well. So that's what we did uh, via the uh, working uh, machinery of the upstate New York IWW. Now, the president, of course, along with Congress, um, you know, declared basically that, uh, you know, the railroad strike would be illegal and force them to accept, you know, uh, an agreement largely that they had you know, previously rejected. How has, you know, what are the issues that the uh, railroad workers are really trying to, uh, you know, focus upon that, you know, the media and politicians really haven't uh, owned up to? First of all, it, it became um, a, a very simplistic uh, argument about whether or not Railroad workers deserved um, more sick time, uh, paid sick leave benefit type time. Uh, and of course, that's not really a question. Of course, they deserve and should be entitled to that. They still don't have it. Um, and while it's an important part of the many pieces of what railroad workers are looking at for their future and what bothers them in the present tense, um, the main issue that has totally been set aside is the corporate greed of the class one freight railroads and their use of stock buybacks to create a banking institution out of their revenue rather than um, a supply and demand a business that provides goods and services. And, and they've created an unfair draconian system of attendance policies that keeps railroad workers 
working 12, 14, 16 hour shifts, no days off, often more than seven days a week uh, in a row, um, working sometimes back to back shifts where they have as little as two or three hours of sleep. They're literally on call 365 days a year in the operating crafts of the of the railroads. And and the railroad workers, that's one of the more uh, dangerous jobs in the United States. Is it, you know, those are big, you know, machines that you're trying to move around in all type of weather conditions and, you know, injury rate pretty high. You know, that that safety issue did not seem to get a lot of media attention. No, in the history of the safety issue, Mark, when I was a kid in the 60s and early 70s, hanging around the local New York Central and what became the Penn Central Railroad tracks in my neighborhood, train crews had two men in a boxcar, two men in the caboose, I should say, as conductor staff, and two men in the locomotive, four trainmen. It used to be five before that. Now the railroads are pushing for one. And in some cases, that is the operating standard for certain railroads on certain lines. It's a, it's a public safety issue. They're running longer and longer trains. Um, it is a very dangerous job statistically and historically. And railroad workers are, are trying to fight for that issue because the, even the Surface Transportation Board of the U.S. Department of Transportation says that one- and two-person crews are questionable. Now, I, I remember when I was a young community organizer for, for ACORN out in Des Moines, Iowa, um, back in the mid-'70s, one of the uh, issues that we were working on a lot was the issue of, of freight trains, because in the Midwest, uh, where I was based, uh, they were not maintaining the railroad lines, and there were often derailments at uh, crossings, even in cities like uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Fortunately, most of the derailments, you know, were corn. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, you know, half a century ago. And I also remember that Barry Commoner in his 1980 uh, campaign for president talked about nationalizing at least the railroad tracks. So, in fact, uh, like we do with the highways. So I understand one of the issues that the railroad workers have been pushing has been the whole issue of nationalization. Uh, how, how is that progressing? And, and what are other things that the Railroad Workers United, you know, are continuing to do, you know, moving forward? Uh, that is one of the main issues. And it's, it's also um, uh, tied uh, back to that whole um, idea about how the big class one freight railroads are, are not using their increased profits at almost record rates in many cases to reinvest in their own infrastructure. So rail crossings and, and a lot of the rail infrastructure is failing. And um, Railroad Workers United and some of the more uh, forward-looking uh, members of some of the crafts in the, in the industry are advocating for public ownership. Now, I would say in all honesty, Mark, at this time, that that's not a front and center issue among most railroaders, but uh, it, is, it is not an issue that's gonna go away because the continued problems of the profit taking without the infrastructure building are gonna make this system collapse. 
And this is an industry, my understanding, that it's not like the freight companies are are broke. It seems like actually uh, they're doing quite well in terms of revenues. Yes. And they created, you know, over the last number of years, they slashed nearly 30 percent of their workforce to create, you know, um, a higher profit margin capability. Um, and again, the, the issue of stock buybacks rather than reinvestment uh, in infrastructure and, and really just the whole idea that your workers are expendable as people who are doing the jobs of 30 percent, you know, with 30 percent less staffing. And frankly, people are leaving the industry uh, because of the stress of the lifestyle. And it's hard to hire railroaders because even though the pay is pretty good, Mark, it's not that great to assume that people are going to want to take on that kind of lifestyle. So, so we have just about a, a minute left. Um, so I'll give you a couple <clears throat> last questions. You know, what else are the industrial workers of the world working on? If people want to either get support the work of the railroad workers or get more information, how best can they do that? Um, railroad workers information is best re- uh, best access that www.railroadworkersunited.org um, and there's a lot of stuff on their website including their you can subscribe to their weekly news feed uh, the upstate new york iww is available on the web if you just do an upstate new york regional iww search you can find our website and if you need to get a hold of me i'm a ggwob 56 at yahoo.com. Thank you very much, Greg Giorgio, uh, IWW, and this has been Mark Dunley for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine.